Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Jasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to yet another episode of Up Level Together podcast, where every conversation, every single conversation can literally be the turning point for you and I and all of us. And again, when one of us um, upgrades, up levels, improves their lives, I really do believe that we impact everyone around us. We are the ones we have been waiting for. Um, I and bringing you today another formidable conversation with a dear, dear friend who recently launched a brand new, wonderful book. And I really want you to listen for multiple reasons. Um, and I'll tell you why. So Paula Doroff is my guest today. And Paula is a career and life strategist. And she helps high achieving professionals and leaders find their paths to meaningful and authentic lives. But she was really raised in poverty in Brazil um, by her illiteral grandmother. And she dreamed of coming to the United States for a better life. And I know that there's so many rags to riches stories. You guys, you have to read her story because we take our life here in the United States for granted. We forget how wonderful and comfortable we have it and how many opportunities we do have and yet we don't take advantage of them. Um, she start, you know, did so many different jobs. Um, she had zero formal education, I think fifth grade education, but she landed a position as a receptionist, then slowly climbed the corporate leader to become Listen to this, vice president of the world's most powerful Fortune 300 companies, Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, Morgan Stanley, and Mayor Price Financial. You know, we talk a great deal about her decision, about her dream, having a dream, and then taking one decision after another to move herself forward. And no job was below her. She was willing to hard. She was um, willing to work hard. And she she really, really trusted herself and she had faith in herself and in, in the bright future. We are losing sight of that, you know, bright future and opportunity and the dreams that the United States offers. And I really want to remind all of us that we should never stop dreaming, especially with the opportunities that we have, especially in this country. Um, I've cried many times reading her book and um, I've been very privileged to be included in her book as a story of resilience and light, which makes me so happy because I really believe that I came into this world to be the light despite the, all of the challenges and difficulties that I have experienced in my own life. Um, what a fabulous, insightful, incredible conversation with Paula Doroff. You will love what she has to say. Pick up her book, One Decision Away, available um, everywhere you can purchase the book. And then uh, learn how you can maybe find a way to, to get to know this person or maybe even work with her. Paula is a dear friend, someone I respect so, so very much. And I really, really urge you also to follow her on social media channels so she can continue to be such a positive influence of light and well-being. 
Um, without further ado, here we go. Paula, welcome to the Up Level Together podcast. I am so thrilled to be here. I have been counting the days to have the honor and the gift to spend this time with you, Giazna, because you have inspired me for so long. And here I am. I, I'm, I'm, I feel exactly the same. So folks, if you're hearing us and you hear like we start tearing up and loving on each other is because it's truly like this love fest between the two of us from the moment we met. Actually, we should tell them the story of, of when we met. It was just really random at a co-working space. I came out of the meeting and you approached me. I was like, oh my God, I, I've known this woman for my entire life. It was, it was literally... Uh, I, I, it was an instant connection. Yes, it was. And then I could not believe, Yasna, because when I saw you, I had been following you on social media and listening to your podcast way, way before we met. So when I saw you, I felt that was not just that physical connection, but here I was looking at a woman that has greatly inspired me and impacted my life. And then for me to find out that we share the same birthday. <laughs> I am like, that is, of course, I am the older, you know, among the two of us, between the two of us. Um, so that for me, I'm like, for some people, they may think like, well, that's not a big deal. I am like, what are the odds that we would have been born on the same day and month? I don't know what it is, but you and I, we say this before, we've known each other for a very long time. And and um, thank you for saying that I feel exactly the same about you. There is, um, for everyone listening, you will really, you've, you've heard the official bio of Paula, but to, to really understand who Paula is, is to come into contact with her. You are one of the most light-filled, love-filled humans that I have ever met in my life. And I don't say that lightly because we are in a world where it's, it's, it is becoming increasingly rare to um, meet people who are really vibrating that high. I'm hoping that the future changes that, but I, I'm just so excited on multiple levels and frankly, so grateful that you're in my life and so grateful that people are going to get to hear you and from you today. So super, 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 super excited. Well, we're going to be talking about so many things, but primarily I, this book is uh, just absolutely transformative and it is, it's been a long way um, a long time in the making. It's one decision away, key principles to create what you want in life and work. And we're going to talk about the principles in this book. And we're going to talk about um, so many different nuggets that you as an expert in this field have to share with us. But before we even before we even start that there, I'm just right now you're coming on the heels of one of the most successful book launches in history of, of, of publishing on that scale, the way you have done it. How does that feel? Uh, how it feels like um, a miracle. It feels that possibilities are always possibilities. It feels that I am only the vessel 
that my creator used to bring a message that needs to be shared with anyone and everyone, whether you are male or female, independent of your political association, your religion, your race, your social and economic background. So that is how it feels. It feels a big responsibility and it feels that this book had to be published at this point in time, not only in my life, but also in this point in time in society. Amen. And that's why it's getting such great, great reviews. What was so interesting, the um, the New York Times bestseller, Harry Beckwith, he he said that this is the roadmap behind America's most remarkable rags to riches story. Follow it. And it, it is not only that, there's been numerous others reviews that are coming in that people really falling in love with the story and the book presents a framework it's a set of principles folks for getting what you want in life and also living your best in life and today i feel like it is we're trying to hold on to that something to find it right and and um how do we do that through in, in um in these challenging times and you present these principles with such uh, incredible powerful stories with such research and also what i love about it is so practical and, and, and the things that we can all follow right now. We're gonna talk about like so many of those aspects, but I wanna start, take our audience back just a little bit uh, so they can really understand the genesis of this book. And you write about it in, in, in your book, and that is you know your upbringing in Brazil. You're originally from Brazil and you had, I mean, one hell of a story. And I think that as a, as, a professional and a person I love and respect you so much more because what I know about you so tell us about your upbringing in Brazil because it is such a big part of the book so Yasna if you had asked me this same question not that long ago or even two years ago I would have answered your question by sharing what I believed what you wanted to hear my understanding interpretation of what that was and i was not mm. always um, truthful about my background because i always believed if people truly knew the details about my life that perhaps they would make an assessment that i was not worthy enough to be part of their lives mm. now that got originated now i i understand but back then i did not know better is when you know better then at least you have the choice right of making different decisions but that got originated from a very early age so as you mentioned yes i grew up in a very poor area of brazil my birth parents were not part of my life. My birth mom uh, gave me away when I was a few weeks, few weeks old. My father was not part of my life. In fact, I've never met my birth father. And to this day, I have no idea uh, who he is. So I was raised by a grandmother 
who always made me feel like a burden and she never showed any affection towards me. Now, this grandmother, I must clarify for you, is that she is the most important person in my life now. And I'm so grateful she's 95 years old and she's still alive. But there were a lot of things that had to take place in my life. A lot of healing, a lot of forgiving in order for me to tell you today that there's nothing in my past uh, that I would go back and change. But going back to my childhood, this grandmother always made me feel like I was a burden because she was very conservative in her beliefs and my birth mother um, brought shame to her. My grandmother never learned how to write or read. That gives you an idea of how poor the area that we grew up in. And every single time I did anything wrong. Now, you, you're the mother of two boys, right? I have two boys myself. Kids, they make mistakes. All the time. My, all the time, right? My grandmother would look at me and she would say, I knew it. You are turning out to be exactly like your mother. Mm. Those words were words that cut at my soul, like very, very deep, because the only caretaker that I had did not see any potential in me. So early on, I knew that based on what I heard in the environment, that probably something was wrong with me. After all, my own birth mother chose to not keep me. And as a result of that, I grew up very insecure. Um, I grew up also knowing that whatever my reality was at that time, that I did not want that to become my destiny. Mm -hmm. So I heard at a very early age that people that live in poor countries or in rough areas like, like I grew up in, mm -hmm. that you should go to America, a country that people from all backgrounds can have a shot to mm -hmm. work hard and make something of themselves. So as a child, my favorite childhood memory was going to bed at night. So I would close my eyes and I would see myself one day in a plane going to the country of my dreams. So it was an upbringing, uh, Yasna, that there were rejection, a lot of pain, sexual abuse, uh, by individuals in the area that I grew up in. So it was so horrible that by age 15, I ran away from home. And a lot of things have happened as a 15 year old out in the world alone. And I made some decisions that most of society would not necessarily agree with those decisions, such as at age 15, I married a man close to twice my age. So a lot of things happen. So I will pause here. And all of that has taken place in my life really left me very wounded. So by age 18, there were 
a lot of things that perhaps handicapped me right as a person that made me feel that something was wrong with me but one thing was always present that i wanted my future to not resemble my present and clearly what my past had been up to that point i mean for people listening and and i've heard this story and and i get emotional every time you talk about it for many many reasons because both you and i've had a, a hard childhoods i know what it's like nothing like that but in different ways but for anyone who is listening who has had things happen to them and that is why this book is so powerful right so this notion of one decision away and how you this conversation when you say reality i didn't want my reality to be my destiny what a powerful what a powerful affirmation for the future like this pull for a better future and also you know i just realized like when you were closing your eyes at night what you were doing later on you were envisioning you were employing the law of attraction law of resonance you're manifesting another thing you talk about in your book and and also for you and i this appreciation of america right because people take this country for granted and you and i are like so appreciative of everything that that it, that it gives us uh i just want everyone who is listening or watching you who is looking at you so successful polished beautiful graceful and like oh my god if paula can then i can too and that is why i want to tell you how important it was to read that in the book and and for the audience because it made me fall in love with you all over again i'm so glad that you didn't skip out on that part because it makes this book so much more powerful thank you so thank you so well what, what really happened was that you took a decision you were you held on to that I don't want my reality to be my destiny, which I love that I'm going to we're going to find a way to cut that out and share it because it's so powerful. And you made a series of decisions that brought you to America and then you quickly faster than most people found success in corporate America. And I would say, I mean, you accomplished what most people in America only wish for. It is awe inspiring. And I want to ask you, what is number one aspect? Um, you think that it helped you create that level of success? So I want to first not correct you, but to clarify, right? I appreciate when you say quickly, but looking back, <laughs> it was not it so was, it was it was a long, long road. So imagine that by the time as a young girl, right at year, I'm seven, eight years old, and I heard of America for the first time, and and that became my pursuit, right? That one day I will go to America. So I landed in the United States. is a long story. There, I'm not gonna get there today, but I was uh, at the age of 25. So I had a middle school education. I did not speak English. I had no money to my name and I had no jobs. Thankfully, I did have a family 
that allowed me to live with them. So thankfully I had access uh, to a roof and access to food. So it was very, very rough in the beginning. And, and this whole thing of making something of myself, right? Because again, my mission became, I will prove to my grandmother, not out of a despite for her, but prove to her. So if I am able to prove to her, that's what I told myself at age 25, is that then I will have the resources so I can provide for her, right? And in my culture, there is a lot of pride for uh, the youth, right? And the um, in your heritage to watch after the elderly. So that was something that I, I really wanted, not only to prove to her, but to be able to help her and help my family back home. So it was a, quite a few years of doing odd jobs, cleaning people's houses, watching people's kids, uh, being even worried, right? That is like, I could do something that is wrong and I could get deported right from America. So through the first four years of living in America, I made minimum dinner wage. And on those years, I had people that helped me out. I had an employer that would even help me pay my rent because whatever money I was making, it was not even enough uh, to cover uh, my expenses. So it wasn't uh, that that quick. And I understand in relation to there are people that spend a lifetime, right, making minimum wage, my heart goes out to them. Um, so I'm not saying that to undermine the hardship, you know, of others. But for me, compared to my dreams, it felt that took a long, long time. So to answer your question specifically, of what was the key right that helped me i don't think there was one thing i wish i could tell you there was one thing and that's why um while this book i say one decision but the subtitle it says key principles to create and there are 11 principles highlighted in this book that can help individuals and help me create what I wanted for myself, both personally and, and professionally. Now, those things, I didn't even know what principle was, right? At that, at that time, now I can better uh, define that. But overall, if I were to highlight for you, Yasna, was one, it was hope. Mm. I feel that if I had no hope, it would have been very hard for me to get through what I had to get through, not only in America, but throughout my life. And, and where hope comes from, that could be an unbelievable topic to be researched. I have not done that research yet. But for me, hope has come that there was a higher power that was beyond anyone and anything and that higher power because I was raised by a very conservative Baptist woman, mm -hmm. that higher power, it was God. And so for me, while I, I went against many of the teachings 
from the religion that I grew up in, right? The things that I did, clearly it was not abiding by what my grandmother told me that I needed to do. But I believed that if I am a sinner, like I learned early on in life, then that means that God will forgive me for whatever mistakes I make. And that if he loved me as much as I was told growing up, and that he was as powerful as I was told growing up, then I place my hope in him. I also place hope in people. Every single person that gave me an opportunity in America, if it was cleaning out toilets, if it was answering the phone as a receptionist, or as I got promoted, making bigger and bigger decisions, I place hope in them. And the hope was, I will do and I will make sure that I will do everything and anything in my power to have earned the opportunities that they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I hoped that in return, they would continue to see the potential in me. And, and I will tell you, Yasna, to this day, I can say I have never worked for anyone that they will not tell you that I was one of the most committed people that worked for them. And I never did that thinking like, oh, so they can give me a raise. Mm -hmm. In fact, and and this is being recorded, right? And I'll be sharing this with my employers. I never asked an employer for a raise. I wanna repeat this. I never asked for employer for a raise. There is a saying that says, be a light that is so bright that people cannot ignore you. So I, isn't that, and I believe that the, I was such a good employee that my employers, they never really ignored me. So, so it was a combination of hope, right? Hoping God and hope in people and also um, making sure that I did not wait for other people to invest in me or to do things for me. So there are too many people waiting out there, right? Too many people waiting on oh, my employer that will pay for my education or my employer uh, will give me this opportunity. I feel like if you are a the stock of a company, would you invest in a stock that its leadership is not investing in the future of that business? You wouldn't, like it would be like, for sure that stock price is gonna go nowhere but down. Mm-hmm. You are like an investment for your employer. And if they don't see you investing in yourself, and sometimes maybe that you don't have the financial resources, but do you know what? You are checking out the book at the library for free, right? And you're getting books, they're being donated, or you are asking people for help and you are saying, this is what I'm doing to learn this skill. Even when I cannot pay a course, you start reporting that to your employer. This is what I'm doing, investing my time, energy. And if you do have the financial resources, that you invest in the financial resources towards your own future and your own asset that is yourself, I will tell you, people want to invest on an investment that has the potential to go up. And those are the things, and I am giving you a short answer, even when that this answer was not short, 
but they are that's why i call the key principles that is not going to be one thing but it is a multitude of things that you need to pay attention you need to learn and you need to embrace in your life you may not be able to do all of them at the same time but do you know what we all go through phases in our lives in some phases i was focusing on investing on myself some other phases was about upping my commitment am i really committed towards my goals there have been phases that i spend the majority of my time envisioning what do i want for myself and what decisions can i make today to ensure that my tomorrow will not be the same as my today it is always awe-inspiring to hear you speak and for everyone listening to this we live in a world where it's so easy to delegate our power to others and say well it's because of this person or because of politics or because of government and here's someone who came into this country with what fifth grade education who rose to the top of the wall street based on like first of all you're incredibly calm but you 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 fought hard for yourself and you worked your butt off. And one of the things that I really do know that hope is the magic elixir, belief that there's a higher power, power guiding me is really wonderful. It gives me the energy. But every single day we have to get up and decide one decision a day to get up and do something about that. And you did that. And, and those stories are mentioned throughout the book and you do such justice to this notion of you have to, no one is gonna fight for you the way you fight for you, and which is so incredibly brilliant. So I, um, as I was reading uh, the your successes and I'm looking at, you know, I can almost, I didn't know you then, but I, I can close my eyes and super, super successful um, uh, woman at, at Wall Street you stopped you've been working so hard toward this reality that you have created for yourself and all of a sudden you looked around and you're like something's missing tell me about that so um actually i want to go back just very quickly because what you said about hope it triggered something that is a quote by someone i have no idea who said this but it's like hope is not any strategy we do need to have hope, but at the same time, we have been given this tremendous machine, the most powerful machine ever invented. And that's our capacity that stands us and, and, and keeps us apart, right, from other animals. It is our ability to think and strategize. So at the end of the day, yes, you got to have faith and, and, and hope, right? But then that you need to utilize your highest given power that is your capacity as a human to think, envision, and to execute. So I love what you said, and I felt like I have to say that hope is not any strategy because I don't want people finish listening to this podcast and they're like, oh, all I need to do is hope. It's like having hope is freeing because as long as you're doing a, your part, you believe that there are higher powers. In my case, I say God fighting for you, representing you and helping you, right? 
and also having hope in people, right? We're living in a world right now that we are, we, our, it's hard, right, to place our hope in elected officials, right? Placing our hope in other people. But if we have no hope in other people, that is a, a that is a pretty hopeless situation, right? So going back to your question, um, I don't, I would not say that was like a sort of a sudden that I felt like something was missing. It was, I loved my career on Wall Street, Yasna. I worked for some of the most incredible bosses, companies like Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, Ameriprise, and Morgan Stanley, and incredible peers. But in despite of the success that I had, after a while, in the first like 10, 15 years, I was, I was like, nothing is missing. Mm -hmm. But what I realized is that I was so busy, so busy. When you're working 80 hours a week and you're starting your family, you are not even aware of what is missing. It's kind of like in your house, you find something, right? Could be a bracelet, right? That you're like, oh my gosh, I, I have been so busy to even notice that I have been missing this bracelet that I, I finally found and I really enjoy wearing this bracelet. Mm -hmm. So I believe that because professional success it was what gave me the validation, at least from others, right? That I have made it. Mm -hmm. And and I felt that it masqueraded my insecurities deep inside. What people saw on the outside, Yasna, did not match with how I felt on the inside. On the outside, I portrayed, I, I'm successful, I'm driven, I am happy. Mm -hmm. On the inside, I felt extremely insecure. I battled with depression and anxiety. I felt unworthy of my success. Mm -hmm. And because I did my truth as far as sharing with people the real me, I also felt like a fraud and that I did not deserve the life that I had. And I say this to you now that is like, you may not see the pain in my face, but I will tell you, it, the only person that can truly, truly say what happened, it was one which was you know, God and my husband, because there were days that I battled with depression that was so hard that the only reason I got out of bed is because I wanted to continue to prove to people that professional, uh, professionally successful. So, so when I realized that something was missing and I'm like, this is not what I envisioned. I have met most of society's standards of what people define she has made it, but why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel sad? Why do I feel even more insecure than I felt when I was as a kid? And I started oh, doing, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I'm like so fascinating to hear that. I really want to point that out for people listening right now because that is the key important factor. We we look up to people so often and we feel make ourselves feel so wrong for our own emotions, right? It's like everyone is trying to figure life out. And we should really be a lot more compassionate to one another based on that journey. So I just wanted yeah. to stress that out. Keep keep going. No, absolutely. It's very, very important because I will tell you some of the people that um, seems and sounds the most confident on the outside and some of us that looks the most successful on the outside i will assure you that we can be some of the most insecure people you meet mm -hmm. and also some of the most unfulfilled individuals that you meet and what I have learned, this, by the way, this is a journey. I'm still in this journey. I'm speaking to you today, Yasna, not as the professor on the subject. I'm not a Rhodes Scholar on the topic. I'm still a student and I will choose to stay as a student for the rest of my life. Because the moment that I stop being the student is when I'm going to get in trouble again. And I don't want to find myself in the place that I found myself a few years ago and this few years it was not that long ago is i found myself back in 2015 in a very um very desperate state emotionally very very desperate state emotionally so it has been a long journey of healing a, a long journey of gaining clarity of what I needed to do to get out of my own golden cage. Oh. Because I was living in a golden cage. Was that cage valuable? Yes, but I was still inside of it. So, so for me, what I share now and what your questions triggered that I feel right now that I need to share uh, with your listeners is this. The path you will take to achieve success, professional success or financial success, that path may not be necessarily the same path that you need to take in order to find fulfillment in your life, in order to find your purpose. And in some ways it's like, in other words, you may, say it's not about a path but maybe the tools and the trouble that i ran into and why i found myself in a such a low um, space in my life is that i was utilizing the tools that i knew to achieve professional success in order to find fulfillment and in some ways it was like trying to paint a wall with a hammer mm. that can be very damaging Mm -hmm. And and the moment that I learned that, that I then I became clear to me. So what are the tools that can be more helpful in finding fulfillment? And then I learned about those tools and I started embracing those tools and I started to to getting clear about the teachings and the principles and I started to practice them. And I will tell you, anyone that knows me, Yasna, they will tell you Paula today is a very different person of the Paula of five years ago, of a year ago, and the Paula that left Brazil many, many years ago. 
you know, we're constantly changing and you're a living example of that. I love how incredibly down to earth and humble you are. And to me, yet you're one of the most magnanimous, like you, your presence, you're just like a natural leader, natural elegance, natural poise, natural success in everything you touch. And it is because of the principles that you that you talk about. Um, you know, something occurred to me right now. And this is a very, just a very quick, I want to see like the gut reaction. If you were at 25, read this book and knew the principles in a nut, not just read them, but knew them, how would the trajectory of your life be different? It would have been much different. And in writing this book, I wrote this book with the Paula that felt stuck, right? The Paula that felt that she did not belong, the young version of me. And there are many individuals in our world these days that they feel stuck in a career that is unfulfilled, in a relationship that is not healthy, stuck in their heads or stuck in their own ways of being and doing things, the same thing over and over. So I wrote this book with those individuals in mind because I have been there in my life. Then there was this phase that I was in, the Paula that was all about like achieving my dreams and having professional goals. And and I wish that I knew exactly what it would take to achieve success. This book, the principles highlighted in this book that will help individuals achieve their most important goals if I knew about those principles, I would have been able to have achieved professional success sooner than I did. And then you had this Paula that was the third phase of my life that I felt shameful for not feeling grateful or good enough about what already had taken place in my life. And I felt that I lacked fulfillment and I felt depressed and lost lost in success there is such a thing mm. and this book is a book that i truly believe that if someone is lacking fulfillment in their lives and they read this book and the principles that can lead them to fulfillment and if they do the work it's not only read this is a book that you don't read you study this book and you have to practice those principles is anything and everything is possible so this book yasna is not only about achievement it is about yes achieving whatever is important to you and finding what is missing in your life absolutely i mean that comes through so beautifully and i think you really make the point of you know, only success without that fulfillment is no success at all. And it is all of the principles really go back to to um, establishing that. And in your first chapter, you know, the 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 book is really the the notion that single act, right? When you actually act on these ideas that you have shared, they change the trajectory of someone's life completely. And I think that um, that principle comes through in your first chapter where you want to get clear um, and also planning, right? Because it's like you have to desire it, but you also have to do something about it. 
one thing that you said um, is really stood out for me because sometimes I will offer a completely contrary advice, and that is about keeping your dreams a secret, right? Uh, you say that there's great power in saying things aloud, there, there's, you know, declaring it and, and stating that even when they're not fully formed. So tell us why is it so important to not only own, but actually declare, declare our dreams, even when we're not fully clear on what they are. It is so crazy you bring this up and I will send it to you through a text later. So I saw something that someone sent to me. And it was a video on, um, I think it was on Instagram. And this person was saying one of the 10 secrets of success. One, do not share your dreams, your plans, whatever the word was with no one. Not your friends, not your family, and not your coworkers. And for me, I chose to not follow that path. And I'm not saying that that is wrong, but what I believe, and by the way, it's not that I knew that back then, okay? So it's like, I <laughs> learned- Something guided you. Look yeah, so I'm not, doing. something guided me. It's like, I don't wanna come across that it's like, whoa, like she knew all of these principles when she was eight years old. No, I, I didn't. And, but something guided me that I am like, Probably maybe because I did not believe that I could make it, make it happen on my own, right? And and I always loved questions, right? Always loved questions. And I remember asking myself early on, saying, "What do I need to do to get out of here? What, who do I need to be in order to?" have opportunities extended to me. And I would say, well, I need to be a hard worker, right? So I would always find answers to those questions. But I also asked who could help me? That was a question. Who could help me share ideas or advice on how I can achieve whatever goals that was? Even running away from home, I asked a specific person, like I am planning, but I have no idea how at age 15, do you have any suggestions? And I asked a 26 year old woman for that advice and I acted on her advice. That ended up uh, costing her like losing a couple of nights of sleep with the police looking after her, you know? But anyway, so, so I believe is that when we keep our dreams a secret, mm -hmm. then it's all in our head. And I believe that, and it is not just I believe, research has proven that over 85% of our thoughts are negative in nature. Mm -hmm. So if we are keeping our dreams in our head and our thought patterns is more about, you're not gonna, this is never gonna happen to you, who you think you are, no way so so that is not a very good recipe for achieving your dreams when you voice and i would tell growing up like one day i want to go to america and probably people would look at me as like how are you gonna get there right and i'm like that's a very good question what what would you do if you were me so so voicing that 
And I remember Asna telling a coworker, like, one day I'm going to go to America and this work, this woman, we worked selling clothes at a clothing store. Mm -hmm. One day she came to me and she said, Paula, do you want to go to Italy? I'm moving to Italy in six months. And I looked at her and I said, Italy? She said, well, you keep saying that you want to go to America. And I said, and I thought to, to myself, probably she's not that smart. America is not Italy, you know, even I know this. And I looked at her and I said, her name was Roberta. And I said, Roberta, Italy is not America. And she said, oh, yes, I know that. But if you're going to be waiting here to go to America, what are the likelihood you ever going to get a visa? I am going to Italy. At least you're doing something with your life. And I thought that she was crazy. And I said, really? I'm telling you, in less than a year, I landed in Rome, Italy. So every time I have been courageous, because it takes courage to share mm -hmm. what you want. Hope, right, God? People, people have gone out of their way and they have acted upon what I shared with them. Now, believe me, were there people out there that perhaps did the opposite? Yeah. Yeah, but I am like, I choose to focus on for every, I believe that for every 10 people you share something, are there people there that perhaps will not be in your, acting in your best interest? But if we spend our lives thinking about what can go wrong, then we will stay stuck in the same place that we find ourselves oh, and we'll never, never experience a different outcome. I, I love that. I just love that so much. So folks listening, if you have a dream right now, and this is really beautifully outlined in the book, is it say it out loud, even if it's not fully formed, start talking about it to someone you never know what input they might have, how they will think of you. But it's also activating this power of intention, which we now know changes physical matter. It's like you're really activating the sea of it. But besides that, I think what you what we're coming back to over and over again, and what you do so beautifully in this book, not just hope, you have to take action. You also say something so incredibly beautiful book, you say, I knew from an early age that I had only two choices in life. I could keep daydreaming about something better or I could start doing something about it. I highlighted that like multiple times and wrote like stars next to it because that is that existential despair for so many of us who have a vision, right? It's it's why the, the, the movie Seeker was like, you just think about it, you just daydream. Well, no, dreaming about it alone without action is just daydreaming right so you have i think what i'm hearing loud and clear and what the audience is hearing they dream away all day long but then make one decision today one one foot in front of the other and do something about it there's this incredible i think what i'm hearing you say and what i've seen you do is that you took charge of your life which is so brilliant and so powerful uh, uh, so awe-inspiring thank you thank you for saying this yeah. and yasna if i um may add a couple of things is that many times depending on who is listening to your podcast is like the word dreams are not taken seriously 
right? <laughs> so people like dreams, really, like dreams will not pay your bills, right? Mm -hmm. Get in touch with reality, lady. So whatever the word is for you, like for me, right? That dreams is a word that I use, but I also use the word clarity. Be clear, what do you want? So let's forget about the word dream. Mm -hmm. Voice what you want with other people. Don't use the word dreams. What do you want? Ask yourself, what do I want? That is about clarity. And there is a saying in, in somewhere, I think maybe was a Jewish saying, but please don't quote me on this, is that it says, without a vision, people perish. Yes. And, and that's what is happening in the world today. If we don't have a dream, if we don't have clarity about what we want, that means we don't have a vision. Vision is another word for a dream. So don't let the word dream turn you off. Use clarity, use a vision, use dreams, whatever suits you. But without a dream, without clarity, and without a vision, you will perish. Ah. Uh. Aim a hundred times over, but also the the I think that we also what I love that clarification. We're waking up to the possibilities that dreams and clarity are not some nebulous woo woo. It's actually this. It comes from from physics. This concept that we can turn things that are out there in the in the vacuum from potentiality to actuality. Like we can we can look at our hands and see something so dense right but really when we break it all the way down 99.9 percent .9 is empty space right so it, it's there are things out there that we can actually mold we are the byproduct of the of the every thought that we think um and you referenced that uh, uh quite a bit in the, in a chapter about the saboteurs and and the things that, that um things that we owe over which we can take control with our own mindset but one of my favorite i think um there have been so many of course like the whole book is is underlined but uh one of the my favorite points comes from the chapter of get healed and you and i have conversation around that that tending to our inner garden our physical and mental health has to come before success or in coordination with success with success material success success and that without physical and mental health we're, we're not okay, right? And you say one of the most difficult lessons that you had to learn was that you can achieve personal and professional success by all the conventional standards. But if you're not healed from your past, you quote, you will never feel whole, fulfilled, or at peace. Uh, tell me about that, because I think that that's a very important point that you make in the book that everyone needs to hear. That was probably the second most difficult chapter for me to write about. And because I did learn that the hard way, I always have been a band-aid type of a person, right? Whatever I can do that is the quickest fix so I can continue running. I used to be a marathon runner in the past. Is whatever I do that is the quickest, right? So I can keep on my path, please do it and get me out of here. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is um, 
I, I did not grow up with resources, right? So it wasn't like the first time I went to a dentist, I was 18 years old. So I never even heard of like therapy. That was not even a part of my vocabulary, you know, growing up. So being in America, and I have had a few episodes that was like, that I found myself like deeply depressed. In one of the episodes, I was even losing my hair. That's how, that's how depressed I was and very stressed. And I want to think like there was a coworker that she knew something was wrong. And I wasn't voicing my truth. I wasn't saying, hey, I'm depressed. I'm pretending that everything is fine. Mm -hmm. But she probably saw like how fragile I was. And, and she told me, she said, do you know, I, I do feel, I don't know much about your background. And I don't know if you ever talked with someone that you can just talk and process whatever that has taken place um, in your life. So, so the healing part, it was about going back to places in my life that I avoided at all costs because going back to those places, it's, it felt to me taking the bandaid off and then you are running and that shoe is hitting on the blister, right? It feels horrible. Then you're like, oh my God, where's the bandaid? I wanna put the bandaid back on. And, and what I realized is that I needed to the healing meant I needed to wear different shoes for a while, right? Or I needed to not wear shoes at all until that wound was completely healed. Mm -hmm. And that was a combination of relying on experts like therapists, um, individuals, books, because at that point it's not that I even like had access to a therapist There was like every week, right? So it's just tapping into whatever resources I had. And it's kind of like a dresser. I want to tell you this quick, Yasna. Even if you don't have a dresser in your house, you can, you, we all know what a dresser is, right? <laughs> and in a dresser, there are drawers that you open all the time. Mm -hmm. And then there are drawers that you don't often open, but we all can relate to sometimes opening a drawer, maybe in your office, that you're like, wow, I did not know this was back here. Yeah. Healing, it is getting the drawers out and shaking, the, not only dumping them on the top of your bed, but you're shaking to make sure there is nothing left in there. Mm. And then you're not quickly rearranging things in its place, mm -hmm. but you are studying and observing, like this is what has been part of my puzzle, my life. And do I, like, what is the story about this puzzle, right? This piece of the puzzle. And being able to sit with that feeling, work through that feeling and process that feeling so you can heal from whatever role that piece of the puzzle has played in your overall life. Mm -hmm. And then choose, do I want this to go back into my dresser? And which drawer will this piece belong to? And I felt that I had a drawer that was the drawer of pain and resentment and anger. 
And, and throughout their work, there has been a long journey. I can say like that drawer is now empty. I don't have it. And that is freeing is I don't have one person that my birth mother, I, I am grateful that she chose. Uh, she, I hated her for, for having me. Mm. So, which is crazy, right? I did not hate, hate, I know that hate is a heavy word, but I would say as a kid, I did not hate her for abandoning me. I hated her because she gave birth to me. That is, that is worse. Mm. And, and for me, I look back, I am so grateful that she chose to have me. She chose to, to decide that she was not the person to take care of me. That person had to be my grandmother because she was so tough. So she prepared me for the journey ahead uh, pretty well. And um, that is healing, right? Healing is a process. And I would be lying to you, Yasna, if I said to you, like, I'm done with my healing journey. No, we got to heal way. every day. New level, new devil. There's, there's yes. always more to uncover. Yes. Yes. And sometimes we got to do work today to heal from things that happened a week ago, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but it is extremely, extremely important because the the fulfillment part right and i ask this to my clients and, and many times if you're not feeling fulfilled one of the pieces that could be missing is the healing part and if it is not the healing part then there are other pieces of the puzzle that could be missing yeah it would it's, it's again these principles that you talk about in the book and we can't go through all of them in the interest of time but they're all tied one into each other and they do it in such a way that they're they're instrumental in one's being but also some principles are going to be more heightened in our lives rather than there's going to be times when we get more committed than others There's going to be time when we really work on our financial health right there's going to be times where it's like it's time for healing whether we like it or not because it's like it's knocking on the door and i really i i love that and one thing that um I thought quite a bit after I've read your book, um, in part also because I had a privilege of being interviewed for, for, for the book, was the stories of the people in the book. And, and I had a privilege to meet some of these individuals recently on your, on your uh, the virtual book launch. And I was profoundly moved. I remember Kevin talking and I was weeping. I'm like, oh my God, I'm talking next. I should not be crying. But I was so overcome with emotion for this light worker who um, now I know why you, why you interviewed him and then met Gemma and, and all of these incredible, incredible people that, that you have interviewed. I, I'm curious from your perspective, folks are going to read the book and they will understand the power of it. But why did you want to tell these stories? Because sometimes it's not pretty to narrate about something so hard that happens to people. Yes, and um, and it's interesting. If someone, um, if this podcast ended right now, and if someone is listening, they probably may think, oh, this is a book that is a memoir, right? Mm -hmm. About Paula Doroff's story. 
and it is not this is not my memoir this is a personal and professional development uh, book and i have read so many wonderful books and i'm surrounded by many of my great teachers right here in this room and and what i have found is the following is that many times you can read great uh, books and but they ended up being a one-stop shop for whatever that is right for greed or for health related needs or closing a cell right for people there in 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 a, in a business that is a customer driven business but what i found is that was hard to find a book that one would address the most important um, issues, challenges that we face mm -hmm. as, as humans, but also equip you with tools and strategies and tactics that helps you bridge the what you know now to how you can implement in your life. Mm -hmm. And I felt, Yasna, that the best way to help individuals act upon on their most important priorities on whatever they're working on in their lives is through stories humans we are wired for stories and when i had the honor to interview you honestly i i believe that that was god that connected me to you and each of the individuals that I interviewed them in the book. And I look, I look back, why did I include those stories? Because one, I did not want this book, if I wanted this book to be a memoir, I would have written my story. Two, because I believe that your story and Kevin's story and Gailey's story and Antoine's story and Kimberly uh, story and Gemma's story and Josh's story, every single individual interviewed in that book, their stories can help individuals not only reach their goals, but also find fulfillment in their lives. Mm. I also believe that this incredible group of individuals it's a very diverse group of individuals, as you know, mm -hmm. and people will be able to see themselves in your story, Yasna. That is just unbelievable. By the way, I cannot wait to read your book. I am counting the weeks and the months and and it's just incredible that I have been given the responsibility because i view that as a responsibility and i have been the vessel to introduce individuals to stories that that my story that i feel like wow like if i feel that i have faced adversity is it fails in comparison to the stories that i shared in the book now, the one last thing that I would say, Yasna, is this. Some people listening here in your podcast, they may say, 
I, I have had a great life. I have not had any massive adversity and parents abandoned me and, and abuse. And mm-hmm. I want to ask your listeners to think before you make that assessment of yourself. Mm-hmm. And here's why. Some of us that have not had what you would define, right, as like this massive earth quakes type of a situation in your life the reality is you know what pain is yes and many times i see individuals that they feel shameful for not have gone through hardships like you have yasna and they feel bad about that but i will tell you do not underestimate your challenges Amen. There have been things that have taken place in each of the listeners in your life that for you, it felt as horrible as some of our own experiences. Mm-hmm. This place here, it's, it is, that's why it's called Earth. We're here to learn lessons and in learning lessons, it's very, very hard. So I am so honored Yasna, that when individuals read the book, they get to know you and know each of the other individuals and and they and I get to learn from you because your story, it is unbelievable, inspirational. And again, I cannot wait to read your book. It's it's coming. I, I felt I felt very honored to be included because the because of the content and the caliber of the book and really to meet the other individuals like I now get it like I want to know them. I want to be friends with them. And it's a testament. Also, I love that you said that, you know, everything is relative. We're in this comparison, the trauma bonding, but you don't understand my pain. Or sometimes if we haven't had the drastic things where you're like you said, we feel like we I shouldn't complain. Pain is pain, no matter where you come from, what you do. And I think we all need to honor that and respect that for for one another. Uh, I have to tell you that I wept when I read the chapter called On Your Truth. I wept. And I was glued to every word on 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 the every page of that chapter that was to me one of the most powerful chapters that I have ever read not in your book but ever read period. And um, I, I, I was wondering if I could read something from from the book really quickly that was very moving to me and um, that, that I keep going back to over and over over again. Um, again, it's underlined, it spoke to me. So everyone listening, please listen to what, what Paula is saying this. Oh, it was, it was just really, really, really uh, powerful. In my life, I've experienced four marriages, three divorces, three emigrations, countless jobs, grinding poverty, depression, and a good sprinkle of physical and sexual abuse. As you say in America, I came from the wrong side of the tracks. I didn't take the easy, beautiful path to life, and I never felt I was one of them. That's why I always carried the belief that if anyone knew the real me, I'd no longer be good enough to be part of their lives. So I'd lie. And here's the big lie that spawned all the others. I was fundamentally unworthy, undeserving, and just plain bad. 
everything I've been through, all the pain and fear I've tasted, the dangerous road I've traveled, and tender hopes and dreams I kept alive in my heart, all of this was not enough. If I wanted a chance to one day to eat at the table with the happy, educated, respected, and well-off people, I'd have to keep my real self a secret. I genuinely thought the only way I would be good enough for them is if I was somebody else. And it goes on and on. I could read every paragraph in the book and be moved by it. But here you are to me. I'm like, you're one of the most remarkable people I know. I love you so much. And to think that anyone would have to be put in a position to hide their real self. Tell me about the the need for you to write this chapter and the message that it has or that you have for our audience today. Thank you for reading that. It's just, a, I feel like an out of, actually this is the first time someone read um, my parts of my book out loud. I have read it. Oh my and um, yeah, so thank you. That's oh, wow. yes, very special. And um, probably it's not good. I think that is, I did not know, by the way, I did not know you're going to read this. So it's not like that we uh, planned uh, this. So um, yes, I lived in a prison for a long, long time. And probably was a prison that I created. But we do live in a world that we say things that make people feel like they don't belong. How many times I would hear someone say, how come like this person, they're uneducated, they don't even have a college degree or, or so-and-so is a loser for, for whatever reason, right? Or, or he's a liar or she's a liar or it's like, Oh, that's never going to work out. He has been married multiple times or she is like, and for me, it may be that I was raised right by a very conservative uh, environment that from a very early age, I, I was, I felt that I was flawed, right? Flawed that I was, that I was not acting and making decisions like other people made. So what I have learned, Yasna, that more, more I, and the sad part is that in, in some ways, I started telling people from a very early age things that were not true, right? I would not tell people like, oh, my, my mother abandoned me. Or I don't know who my father is. So I would say, oh, they are traveling for work. Or then later on in life, when I came to America, I would say my parents died in a car accident. So then people would say, oh, I'm not going to be digging, asking her stuff about her past because they're like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And oh, where you guys are going on vacation, right? For a spring break. So, so for me, owning your truth, it was the, the hardest, hardest chapter to write. It was the last one that I wrote and I spent like a long time. It was over two years working where I did not know that was a chapter per se, but it was part of my healing, right? If I was owning my truth, 
what would that truth be and how would that that sound like and i have to say something to you and many things that i already said so if there's a me there I, I am in multiple multiple missions in my life but there are two very big missions one is to help people like people have to make decisions right Theodore Roosevelt, he has a quote that he says, the best decision you can make is the best decision. The worst, the, the second best decision is the worst decision. And absolutely the worst is not making a decision at all. Mm -hmm. So, so don't be so afraid, right? About making the right decision. Some of the worst decisions that I have made, they were the decisions that brought me to be who I am today and where I am today. So mission number one is make a decision and don't overthink if it's the right or the wrong decision. The worst is not making a decision. Mm -hmm. Second mission, Yasna, is own your truth. And for every person, this own your truth means different things. It could be like me, things that you're flat out not honest about it. Or it could be that you're not honoring yourself. You're out of integrity with yourself by saying yes to things when you're supposed to be saying no. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's asking for what you want, asking for what you need. And I believe, as I shared, I have battled uh, with depression. And I'm not here telling you or anyone that I, that will never happen again, right? But I will tell you this. Since I started practicing owning my truth. Went away. I will tell you. Yes, and, and anyone that has battled with depression, we know that you will never know when it's going to knock on your door again. Mm -hmm. But what I am, I, I am here to tell you is this. Is that there is truth to this this is a biblical verse that it says the truth will set you free and and i really believe now that it is so freeing to be who we are authentically at at our core and i am in the early stages of that yasna and yes, will that perhaps be like leaves? We are in Minnesota in the fall right now, right? And their trees are falling out. And I'm telling you, I know for a fact, and I already have seen some of the leaves, there are my connections, right? That I will lose some people along the way by being authentic. Mm -hmm. But my life, I know that whomever is going to be part of my life, because I'm in the early stages of practicing my truth. I'm no expert at that, but I highly believe that a year from now, a year of practicing my truth, one more year, the people that will be in my life will be the people that were meant to be in my life. Amen. How powerful for all of us. Well, I'm sticking around, whether you like it or not. <laughs> I'm Thank not you. going anywhere. Oh my goodness, I feel like you and I could go on and on and on, but uh, without further ado, I really want to uh, stress again that this book, One Decision Away, key principles to create what you want in life and work, 
it, it really is a personal and prof professional framework that includes the that material success go after you want but the aspect of fulfillment and like you said i really believe it's just like a book for the times that 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 is so needed right now in the times that we live in um besides you know this incredible success of the book by the way we're going to put links for the book uh you can buy it in amazon in barnes and nobles basically everywhere you can find books um if you're lucky to get your hands on it because it's selling out like crazy and i really really urge everyone to get your hands on the copy of the book better yet buy two and give a copy to someone else because i believe that we bless others with with books books have changed my life and i'm just such a big believer in 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 books but you also, one of the things that people have heard um, before even we started talking is that you are an incredible coach and that you lead people through these principles in your everyday life in cohorts and also individually. And we're also going to link to your website where you can reach out to Paula for personal and professional coaching and this incredible, incredible cohort coaching that she does every few months that people are absolutely raving about. So make sure that you check that out as well. I am just so incredibly grateful for every hardship that you have had and for every good that you have had, because now I know that even the hardships that we go through mold us and sometimes are like those boulders on our path that make us into who we are. And as I look at however heart-wrenching it was to read your story and hear about it, I'm thinking about the millions of people that you get to touch right now with your story and for the rest of your life and for that i'm grateful you are a light worker you are an incredible leader in the, in the world today um and i just really really want to thank you for having the courage to write a book and i know how hard it is but also for continuing to always be light in everyone's life including my own thank you so much thank you for this incredible opportunity yasna and the last thing that I would say is, this is not my book, this is our book. And that goes to you, every person that contributed to this book and every person that has a dream and the hope that their tomorrow will be better than today. This book is ours, our book. So thank you so much for the privilege of being interviewed by someone that i look up to so much thank you oh it's such a pleasure and on that note because we're always one decision away if you don't do it right now you won't do it later right now this instant go ahead and buy a copy of your book you will not regret it available in in um the audiobook is coming available in ebook version and and the hard copy so make sure you do that again uh paula doroff and you found it pauladoroff.com and we're going to link all of those links as well as the link to the amazon uh book in barnes and nobles up above below on the side wherever this podcast or video edition is going to find you as always thank you all for tuning in i hope that you have been as amazed and transfixed by this incredible individuals as, as I have. And on that note, sending a sea of love to all of you. Paula, love you forever and ever. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. 
Well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together. <laughs>